Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. And we welcome you in to another edition of Brewers on Tap. It is a pre-spring training. As spring training's technically begun at this point. At least pitchers and catchers have uh, reported, and a lot of the position players have reported as well. But, you know, before games, we're going to start breaking down the roster a little bit, and we'll break down the rest of Major League Baseball a little bit. We welcome right out of the gate into the podcast the godfather of Brewers on Tap, Jeff Levering. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, we, I, Godfather is a good way to talk about it. Sometimes I like to think maybe creator because I, I but that's way too over my skis and I, I don't want to get into that. That's way too big of shoes to try and fill. It's just a podcast. Yeah. Creator is a little more deep. It's a little more serious. Uh, to me, yeah. it feels a little bit like you're, you're a deity of sorts. Yeah, I'm not. And I, I mean, I, I do think it's probably the best to stay away from, from those types of comparisons. I think very highly of you. I don't think that highly of you. I'll be, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I think we're friends (laughs) and I can share with you that I have, I hold you in very high regard, but not a deity. Yeah, that's fine. The guy that we work with maybe, but not, not me. I'm not, I'll never be there. Different conversation. I mean, Godfather doesn't even do him justice, but I'm throwing Godfather on you, at least when it comes to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's no problem. I I will say that we are the two best hosts of this podcast ever. Number one and number two in no certain order. And uh, (laughs) for sure, I think it's safe to say that it's a big list. It's a long list, but we're top two in the power rankings. I mean, that's I I have it on my business card, actually. Lane Grindle, the second best host of Brewers on Tap or maybe the first. Well, no, just. Just a host. Two, we have it, we two. both have it as a host. You can count all the hosts on two fingers. Yeah, it's absolutely. you and me, pal. Absolutely. You 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 know you <laughs> laid the foundation, such as yeah. you're the founder. It's like you started a fraternity and and we're the only two members of it. So anyway, it's great yeah. to have you. With Sigma you. Alpha, Sigma Alpha Brew. <laughs> I like that. I don't know if it's going to stick, but I like it. I think that's good. No, <laughs> we should come up with t-shirts. We should. Yeah, have we really should. <laughs> I, you know what? I know a guy. Uh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I, I'm, I'm excited. I know you are too, to get this season started. I think it's going to feel a little bit more normal. Last year was, a, it was a strange year. I think we all, we all knew it was going to be going in. We all, reflected on it when it was over and said, yeah, that was kind of a different year. I, this is going to feel more normal. It's still going to have some different protocols and some different things about it than a typical year. I think it might get more normal as the year wears on. I, at least optimistically, that's how I feel. But I'm just excited mm-hmm. that we're going to play 162 and we're going to get this thing started on time. Uh, it just feels more normal right out of the gate. Yeah, it really does. And the, and the timing is very helpful for the players and the coaching staff. It feels like this is what it's been like over the last couple of years. And you show up to spring training, you get your work in pitchers, do their stuff. It's a slow burn to get to to where they need to be uh, come opening day. I think it's really important that it, that it stays that way. It's going to be that way for the broadcasters. It's going to be that way for the production crew. It's going to be like that for everybody. Uh, But it just feels normal. The only thing that's not normal is 
we can't go down and, and talk to players or coaches or check out what's going on in the backfields. And, and that's different. We still have to do things over zoom and that's fine. That's kind of how it's, it's going to have to be, but it feels normal for what we're doing. And most importantly, normal because there's going to be some fans in the stands once spring training games start. And I think that's really important. The last time that we saw fans in stands was the last time we called a game in Arizona, which kind of bookends all of this stuff that's happened yeah. over the last year. So, um, and the first game that we're going to do is at Camelback Ranch where it all ended last year. So it's really kind of poetic how it all works out and it's really neat. And, and it's going to be normal once you get down to Arizona a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, it's going to feel great to see fans in the stands. I think we're all in agreement on that. The players have talked about it. Craig Council has talked a lot about it. The front office has talked about it. Ownership's talked about it. It's just a win for everybody, and it, it certainly is a big win for us as broadcasters because the atmosphere was so much different without fans, and we're going to love seeing the fans back in the stands and having them kind of be the, the soundtrack underneath our voices as we narrate the season over the course of the year as, as well. And, and I thought one of the really exciting things about that topic was that tickets went on sale this week for spring training and they went crazy. Uh, games were selling out right out of the gate. And I know it's a limited number of fans, but that's, that, I think that shows you the thirst and the appetite to get back into the ballpark for these fans. And I think you're going to see that as things continue to open up more and more, the demand's going to be, I think really high. And I, I'm excited about that too, because the enthusiasm is going to match it as well. Yeah, and that's just for spring training games. Yeah. Imagine once once tickets go on sale, and I know the the big three hundred and fifty to four hundred page dossier went out to the city to try and get thirty five percent into the ballpark come April first when opening day starts. But think about when individual game tickets go on sale when that's approved, or if there's some sort of a level that it gets approved at, and you can have fans come to the ballpark and tailgate, and then get inside the ballpark and watch the Brewers for the first time at American yeah. family field first and foremost, but the first time in Milwaukee since 2019, it's, it's going to be bananas in the best possible way. And I think everybody's going to love it. All the people that, that work at the ballpark concession stand workers doing everything safe and in the right way and having us be there and having people to wave at when they're in the stands it's going to bring a whole different level of energy for us, for the players, for everybody. And it's great that we're getting things off on the ground floor in Arizona and then hopefully in Milwaukee too, in the very, very near future. Yeah. 35% at American family field. That's like 15 to 16,000 fans. Trust me that that's going to be very noticeable. That will get mm -hmm. very loud uh, in the big moments. And it, that's not just, Hey, we're going to sprinkle in some fans. That's, that's a pretty legitimate crowd that's going to make its presence known. And, and again, hopefully we're turning the corner with the virus. I think predicting the virus we've all learned is something that it, it, there's not good money in that. <laughs> because no, no, just, no. You don't know what's going to happen, but Hey, we're playing offense against the virus for the first time. There's a vaccine now, as we get more people vaccinated, as cases continue to go down, as hospitalizations continue to go down, hopefully those numbers can grow as the summer moves along too. I know we're all hoping for yeah. that. And, and uh, excited for, you know, just to kind of start pushing back a little bit and getting things back uh, slowly but surely to more of a normal state. When you look at the rest of Major League Baseball, Jeff, um, it was an interesting offseason. I think we all were not 100% sure what to expect in terms of spending and trades and activity. 
some of it's pushed back, but it was already trending that way before the whole pandemic hit uh, in terms of the timeline. But I, I felt like there was still quite a bit of activity. There were still some big deals signed for sure. The big names still came off the board. And I think if you weren't sure you could contend, you probably didn't make a lot of moves. In fact, you probably subtracted. Uh, if you were a team that felt like you could contend, you were probably making some moves and, and trying to add to your team. And I think what we're going to see is uh, maybe an even bigger gap between the top of divisions and the bottom of divisions this coming year, because you're also going to have to manage your roster a little bit different this year. You may have to have a six-man rotation at times and things of that nature. And who you use to backfill those rotation spots, I think, is going to vary tremendously from the New York Yankees or the Los Angeles Dodgers to how the Pirates are going to backfill their rotation as the season goes along. So I think that gap might get a little wider this year, at least. Yeah, there's a, a lot of different avenues that we can take that that yeah. soliloquy that you just went on there with, in terms of. <laughs> I have so much to say. I, you know, I know. It's been... <laughs> hey, pace yourself. we got a long spring training yeah, to talk right, about right, things, right. too. But it's for me, it's um, you're, you're right. There was spending from the teams that you expected to spend and the teams that made a legitimate run last year and teams that tried to make themselves better. And, you know, look at the Dodgers who won the World Series and now they're spending like the George Steinbrenner Yankees are, you know, right. you add Trevor Bauer to that huge deal. It's all front loaded and, and just a crazy contract, too. Uh, how it's all front loaded. He can opt out after every year. The, everything that his agent wanted, he got, which is great. And he, you know what? He's worth it. And it makes the Reds a little bit less powerful. So it helps out the Central Division too. Uh, but you saw the Yankees spend some money. You saw the Red Sox make some interesting moves, um, signing some veterans, makes them feel like 2013. The Blue Jays went out and spent a bunch of money. Um, Tampa Bay improved their roster. The, the Braves improved their roster. The Brewers went out there and made some, some moves. And you saw the Cardinals go and trade for a guy like Nolan Arenado and didn't have to give up top prospects and they get $50 million back from the Colorado Rockies. And so again, you're looking at the teams and I didn't even talk about the Padres who probably yeah. traded and acquired as, as much talent as anybody and yeah. just signed Fernando Tetis Jr. And that's going to get officialized at some point here pretty soon. But at the same time, the gap between top contenders and the bottom is drastic and it's as big as it has ever been. Uh, and you look at the, the computer spit outs of how they think teams will turn out this year. Um, and you see in the West where it's the Dodgers winning 103 games, potentially whatever Dakota yeah. rankings or whatever you want to look at 103 wins. And then you see the Rockies who didn't spend one single dollar. I spent more money in free agency than the Rockies did over the course of this off season. And I maybe give me a nickel on free agency because I, I went and got like diaper pail inserts, whatever. That's a free agent acquisition in my house. So diaper, I spent more than inserts? the right. Yeah. The, the, the liners, the liners. Right? Oh yeah. 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 The little genie, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the diaper yeah, the genie, genie, right? Oh yeah. I, right, I know all about right. the diaper genie. I'm past it now. Yeah. And our yeah. daughter, our daughter's, our daughter's potty train, but at night she still wears the pull-ups. But regardless, I spent more than the Rockies did. It was a bad analogy, but I spent more than the Rockies did. And they might lose 110 games this year. 
So you, you do see the drastic differences. The Pirates got rid of Josh Bell, and they're probably looking at a 100-loss season because yeah. of what's in the Central. So the, the, the numbers, the, the potential for teams to, to win a World Series is maybe smaller because it's a handful of teams, maybe seven, eight, nine teams that legitimately have a chance to win the World Series. Uh, but the teams that are sellers and the teams that don't have a chance might be a little bit bigger. And that gap is is certainly widening, um, and it makes for for an interesting offseason for an interesting regular season too to see what those teams might be able to trade off or or pick apart to make their teams better in the future. Yeah, I think, and I think we could go through each division and and start talking about who's going to contend and who's going to be where. It, it, we could spend an hour to two hours doing that. Um, I, I, I'm going to make it more simple. I just want to get your thoughts on a couple of teams that maybe aren't on the radar that you think could surprise this year? Uh, if you look at the American League, there are two teams that, that I like that not a ton of people are talking about. Uh, the Red Sox are one. Yep. Because I know the Yankees are, are, are good on paper and injuries happen and their bullpen is outstanding. The Tampa Bay Rays, I don't think are going to get enough credit because they got rid of Blake Snell and Charlie Morton uh, in that starting rotation. They've, they've added some too to their, to their rotation. I think their offense is still going to be pretty good with Randy Rosarena healthy all season long and, and up at the big league level, but the Red Sox made some sneaky moves to make themselves better. And it feels a lot like the 2013 team that won the world series with with Johnny Gomes and those types of people that were just role players, but they were super helpful in getting them over the top. Um, they, they built that rotation and they, and they built that bullpen and it, and it worked and it worked. And I think having Alex Cora back is certainly going to be a big help uh, for the Boston Red Sox and what they're trying to do and, and building upon um on just what it, what has been a great franchise over the the history of, of their franchise, but certainly over the last 20 years. So I think the Red Sox are a sneaky team to watch and, and they're always there at the end of the season, but the Oakland A's for, yeah. for, uh, just, you know, they, they always make smart moves and, and with the acquisitions a couple of days ago, Trevor Rosenthal and Mitch Moreland to play first base. Uh, it just makes them a lot better and I'm a lot more deep and I, I like their team. I like their team a lot. Maybe it's the white spikes. But man, I dig the Oakland A's. I think they're going to be competitive and, and they might win the West. Um, and, and if you look at the National League, man, the Braves are good. They're, they're not getting enough credit for, for what they've done over the last couple of years. Plus, they had Charlie Martin to their starting rotation. Yeah. I think the Braves are going to be right in there, too. Everybody loves the Mets because they're pitching. I get it. They spent a lot of money. They added Lindor, but I still like the Braves. Uh, and if you look at the West, um, it's the Dodgers and the Padres. Yeah. yeah, that's it's that's what it's all about. The Diamondbacks could be competitive. I, th I think they could be competitive, um, but they're the third best team in the in the league. It's it's the it's the Dodgers and, and the Padres at the end of the day in the National League West. You know that that rivalry, and if I can use that word between the Dodgers and Padres, it, it, it started to really there was some kindling to it last year, right? Mm -hmm. Trent Grisham oh, yeah. and. And Kershaw and everybody kind of yelling at each other. And I mean, it, it, there, there's something there. Uh, and, and I think in a good way, I don't, I don't think it's going to turn nasty. I think they're, they're, they, the Padres are pointing right at the Dodgers and saying, we're coming for you. And the Dodgers are like, come and get it. And I think that's going to be a fun race. 
all year long because the Padres mm-hmm. were the most aggressive team of anybody in the offseason, and there were some aggressive teams. The Padres made themselves significantly better, but they're trying to catch the, the king of the league right now in the Dodgers who, who made themselves better too. And, and yeah. I think there's going to be, there's going to be times this year where we're going to be sad that they're on the West coast and their games aren't starting till late, because I think that's going to be one of the great storylines of the season are those two teams going at each other. And when they're playing each other on the West coast, I think a lot of people are going to be sleepy in the morning. Cause we're going to just say, we got to watch this. This is going to be fun to see these yeah. and good for us. We'll get off the air for a lot yeah. of our games and be able to go turn it on when we get home and, and see these two teams go at each other. But I, I'm with you there. I think that's going to be so fun to watch I, my team. And I, I, I've said this before. I don't know that it's that sneaky of a team because they won the world series two years ago, but I, I look at the nationals roster yeah. with, with that three headed monster at the top of their rotation. And I think they've made their bullpen better. And they add Josh bell into the mix who I really like Josh bell. I think you put him in a legitimate lineup and I think his numbers will improve that much more. I, I like the Nats. They still have Juan Soto, who's probably a, a top five player in the league at this point. And I just like them. I know the, the easy pick right now is the Mets. I'm like you. I think it's the Braves division until somebody beats them, um, mm-hmm. even though the, the Nats came out of the wild card and did it two years ago. But uh, there's something always happens in flushing. Like, I, I love the Mets on paper. I like the Mets on paper almost every year because of what they run out there from a rotation standpoint. And then some, you, you hate this, but Syndergaard gets hurt or something happens or Matt's underperforms, you know, now of course now he's in Toronto, but something always seems to happen. Is this going to be the year where that finally reverses and things fall in line for the Mets? A lot of us think that it could, but I kind of need to see it before I totally buy in, I guess. Yeah, I'm with you. 2015 feels like forever ago, even though DeGrom was yeah. in that rotation. Harvey's gone and Syndergaard's still there, but he's coming off of an injury. Um, you know, what is Edwin Diaz like at the back end of the bullpen? Because he was either awesome or awful last year. Uh, yeah, I, I like the Nats. And you, and you add Brad Hand to the back end of that bullpen, too. Yeah. It's it's very helpful. They got some flamethrowers, certainly. And, and the Nats are good. They, they've got a good offense. Trey Turner and Soto and uh, it's just a, it's a good club. It's, it's tough not to like that club. Uh, and I, I'll bring something back too, because we we're talking about the Dodgers and the, and the Padres a little bit. It almost feels like big brother, little brother, doesn't it? Yeah. And it feels a little mm-hmm. like, it feels a little like the Cubs Brewers rivalry a little bit from when you and I first got to Milwaukee, where it was okay. Here, the Cubs are making this great run. And then well, watch out, dude. The Brewers have gone to the playoffs the last three years, and then they go down and win game 162 in 2018. And it feels like the Brewers are kind of taking that charge. It feels a little like that rivalry right now, uh, but on the West Coast. And I, I think that has, still hasn't changed with the Brewers and the Cubs. There's still a little bit of animosity whenever there's you talk about Brewers and Cubs. Now you're mixing Jake Arrieta into the mix again, and that's a that's fun. He's still not the same guy, but it's um, that's, it's a fun rivalry and I, I love it. It's great for the game. It's really good for the game and great for the fans. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a fun year. I, I'm excited to see uh, how these divisions shake out. I think central is going to be really interesting. Brewers are going to be right there. The computers seem to really like the brewers. Uh, a lot of people, their eyes wander toward the Cardinals because they add Nolan Arnato and they're as good at the corners as anybody in baseball with Arnato and Goldschmidt. 
but they, they certainly are not a perfect team. There's plenty of question marks about the Cardinals beyond those two spots, right? Um, they always seem to find some guys like a Tommy Edmond that, that, that step up and, and come out of nowhere for them and, and perform at a good level. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the central. I think the Cubs have certainly subtracted. I, I think clearly the Cardinals and Brewers are, are trending in the one, two spots, however you want to put them in there. And then I, I would probably slide the Cubs and Reds in that three, four spot battling more in that regard, at least on paper, who knows yeah. what happens. Nobody had the Brewers towards the top of the division in 2017 and look what they did. That's the beauty of this game and mm-hmm. the beauty of things not being settled on paper, but being settled on the field. I think it's going to be fun. The Brewers, you know, we haven't talked a lot about the moves they made. The big move they made was Colton Wong who makes the Cardinals worse and the Brewers better uh, mm-hmm. all in one move. I think it gives the Brewers perhaps the premier up the middle defense in baseball. And I don't think that's a, a point that should be overlooked. I think we, we tend to look at the Brewers had a tough year offensively last year. And what was a smaller sample, you, you figure some of that regression is going to come back to the norm, but also you are adding a, maybe the best center fielder in baseball, in my opinion, in Lorenzo Kane. I think definitely the best second baseman in baseball in Colton Wong and maybe the most potential at shortstop defensively of anybody in the game in Orlando Arcia. And then another guy in Luis Arias, who's going to probably get opportunities at short as well. And then if, when Manny Pena is catching, especially uh, one of the better arms behind the plate, I mean, up the middle, the Brewers have a chance to be as good as anybody in baseball this year. Yeah, I, I think the Brewers might have the best defensive lineup in baseball to be honest with you, because mm-hmm. you mentioned Lorenzo Cain going back into center field, and that puts Avisail Garcia back in right, and he's a great right fielder, and Christian Yelich has won a gold glove in left. You know, first base is, is a question mark. Keston here is, or uh, yeah, Keston here is learning the position for the first yeah. time. So, you know, that's kind of the, the wild card there, but you're, you're not really worried about him picking balls at first. You're not worried about range, because he's got great range. It's just learning the footwork, and maybe turning a double play and working on the throwing motion, uh, which is different and, and different footwork. But when you've got Pena behind the plate, Nomar Narvaez was better behind the plate last year. And hopefully his offense comes back. I love up the middle with Wong and Arcia. Like those guys they, you might have a hard time taking the stopwatch out and how much time the actual baseball is in their gloves, right. Yeah. For both of those guys, because it's just, you don't catch it. It's just, as Yuke says all the time, it just changes direction. And, and that's the beauty of watching those two guys play up the middle. Uh, and Rios is the same type of guy at third base or at, or at shortstop. And we saw Orlando Arce, Craig council talked about him playing some third base this year in the spring, potentially Travis Shaw, who's a, gl- a gold glove caliber type of third baseman, limited range, but everything that's hit to him, it usually finds his glove and he makes an accurate throw. The defensively, the Brewers are way better than they were last year. Uh, and they were a really good defensive team last year. And nobody mm-hmm. seems to talk about that too. Um, it's just a matter is, is the offense going to pick up? And I think, I think it has to, um, it was a bad offensive year for everybody last year for the Brewers. It's going to be better in, in 2021, but the, the defense is unbelievable. And, and the pitching for the Brewers, it was one of the best rotations, one of the best bullpens in the national league last year. And it got better. And I think that's a great thing. And it's more experienced now. And, um, and I'm hard pressed to find a better bullpen in the national league than what the Brewers are running out there every day. Yeah, it's going to be special. And you and I have talked a lot. I mean, we're both huge fans of Justin Topa. That's a guy nobody really is talking about. They weren't talking about him, period, 
a year ago at this time. He wasn't even on the, the spring training list where they go over all the guys they think can impact the club. That's how far off the radar he was a year ago at this time. Now he's a guy that we're saying, hey, he could get the ball in the seventh inning uh, during some games this year because he, he kind of showed himself last year. He has the elite stuff, the ability to get outs and uh, to get him in high leverage spots, I believe, uh, this year for the Brewers. And he's going to be a fun story that probably – fans of the Brewers know about, and I think there's expectations within the organization, within the fan base of what Justin Topa can be. Nobody outside of that really knows who he is yet, and he could be the next Devin Williams type guy. I'm not saying he's going to have those kind of numbers because I don't know if anybody will ever do that again, but he could be the next guy from this Brewers system that everybody's like, well, how do they keep turning out these arms? I mean, it's a little bit Cardinal-like in terms Mm -hmm. of the Cardinals always find a guy that maybe isn't some top prospect um, from a position player standpoint, and then he gets hot for a month and he, and, and he really fills a, a role for them. And, and I think the Brewers have kind of found that formula at the back of their bullpen or just in their bullpen in general. They find guys that are off people's radars and they, they develop them. They, they have found a way to develop pitching in general, maybe as good as anybody in the game. And you know, people keep talking about the Brewers farm system and where it's ranked and everything else. Well, one thing we can say for certain, it doesn't really matter because they find arms and they develop them and they, they take them from, from maybe being a fifth or sixth round pick and barely scratching the top 30 by all people's accounts in this farm mm-hmm. system. And then they come up to the big league level and they contribute. It's happened a lot over the last three or four years. Yeah, it really has. And that, and that has not been the Brewers system ever. Right. Right. Ever in, yeah. in the history of the farm. Homegrown just wasn't a thing for arms. No, no, it was totally all- changed. Yeah, it was all about offensive guys. You talk about these great draft classes, and it was always about offensive players. Braun, Weeks, Fielder, Hart, Hardy, all these dudes that came through were all offensive players. And you're like, well, how many times did they whiff on pitchers? And how many times did those guys not work out? You know, it was interesting going back and looking at the, the Colton Wong acquisition, and he was a first-round pick in 2011. The Brewers had two first-round picks in 2011, took both pitchers, and they, neither of them did much. One was Taylor Youngman. You thought that was a can't miss. He pitched in the big leagues, had one good year, and that was it. And the other was Jed Bradley, and he never got to the big leagues and yeah. never panned out. So, And Wong was taken later. He's in the 20s, and the Cardinals took him. Um, that's a great draft class, by the way, headlined by Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer was in mm-hmm. there too. But nonetheless, now is a fun time to watch pitchers coming out of the Brewers organization. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, the list goes on of guys that have come through this system that have made a difference. You could even put Josh Hader, who was an, an acquisition from the Orioles and then to the, to the Astros and then to the, to the Brewers or Adrian Hauser, but they came through the system to, to affect the Brewers at the major league level. And now you look at a guy like Justin Topa, who shake a tree dudes throwing a hundred because he was on pitching ninja and the brewers take a flyer on him. And here he is, and he's going to carve dudes up and it's going to be great to watch strikes out Miguel Cabrera for his first ever big league strikeout. If you're giving up a home run, dude has mental aptitude, like off the charts. Yeah. And also you talk about Topa here's drew Rasmussen too. Who's yeah. going to throw hundred miles an hour and just make guys look stupid because he's, he throws the ball so hard. He's got this nasty slider. He has a change up when he wants it. It's those two guys I think are going to be ones to watch. And, and Devin Williams had the awesome season last year, change up out of this world to go along with 97, 98 mile an hour fastball, Josh Hader, everybody knows what he's doing. The Brewers have shortened games. 
big yeah. time with what they've been able to do and able to produce in their bullpen. Um, it's just a matter of managing those innings, managing how many times those guys get hot because of the shortened season last year. Every team in Major League Baseball is going to deal with that. But they've got some some hooch at the back end of that bullpen, like 90% hooch on the alcohol reading, right? If you're looking <laughs> at a bottle, of, it's it's a 90 grade in terms of fire. <laughs> It's awesome. Well, and and then the, and then they bring in the funky side armor submariner Eric Yardley who's going to be a ground ball machine and this is going to be right. one of the best ground ball defenses in baseball. So when you need to I mean as big of a role as he had last year and I know there's the three batter minimum and everything else but if you need a double play ball to get out of an inning and things of that nature with the defense that's going to be behind him and his ability mm-hmm. to get some ground balls um that's going to be a great weapon for them them also. He just keeps getting better. He finished yeah. really strong in 2019 with the Padres and last year just picked up where he left off and pitched well for the Brewers last year too. So there's a lot of different types of arms in that we're talking about the big high velocity guys and those are going to be the headliners, but then you got some of these other arms that give Craig Council and, and Chris Hook some different ways to try to piece together those 27 outs. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I can't mm-hmm. wait to get it started. I know you feel the same way and we're just, uh, we're a little over a week away from our first broadcast. So uh, get ready, I guess. Yeah, man, we're just scratching the surface. And, and you mentioned, I, I want to go back to this just for a second. I know we're yeah. running high on time, but we're, we're, I mean, we got a lot of time in spring training to talk about all this stuff too. This is just a preview of what there, we're going to talk about. There's no format here, man. We no, can go as long as we want to. I know. I, I remember a graphic that they put together. We talked about it a little bit during the regular season last year, I know. But they put together a graphic on, on one of the TBS games, and I think it was a Tampa Bay Rays game, about the different arm angles. And they put a big clock up on the screen. And then they had the different arm angles from right. 9 to 3 that, that they were throwing out there. And we talked about it because of, of Topa's release point in Yardley. And last year when the Brewers still had Claudio – and Hader coming from this angle from the left side and Devin Williams coming from this angle because you have all those different looks, Suter, Freddie Peralta, Bobby Wall, Ray Black, all these different arms that you're throwing out there. It's all different angles on that clock from nine to three. And if you're a hitter and you've got these different sight lines and you're, and maybe you see a starting pitcher twice in a game and then you're bringing out these different arm angles for another at bat and then a different at bat it makes hitting really uncomfortable and hitting is already uncomfortable, but to, to make it even harder for these hitters, the brewers are doing stuff that, that other teams haven't done in a long time. And and they've been doing it for a couple of years now. Uh, And I think people are finally starting to catch on to what they're doing. Um, And they're, they're formulating their own blueprint and it's fun to watch. Yeah. Not all shifts are the same. The brewers have consistently been near the top of the league in terms of shifting. I mean, you, you don't shift just to say you did. You shift mm-hmm. because the data tells you where to where to position your guys and and when to position your guys in those spots. And the Brewers probably uh, one of the best front offices and on field staffs in baseball in terms of being able to execute those plans. That speaks well to the communication, uh, left hand talking to right hand in terms of how the organization works as well. Well, this has been fun. Uh, we're going to have a lot more of these. Uh, a lot of them over actual terrestrial radio. Uh, Mm -hmm. coming up over the course of this spring as we continue to talk through the 2021 season. We appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you, Lane. I appreciate it. Can't wait to get down to Arizona. Yeah, right? It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Nice job, pal. There might be a little bit of, uh, you know, sun being soaked up 
as well when we're down yeah, there. So yeah, but we will, we will definitely be sun smart. We will be wearing our sunscreen yeah. and doing things the right way. And there's going to be some funky tan lines. I know that because yeah. of the mask wearing and stuff, we're going to have the best forehead tan and eyebrow tans <laughs> in the league and upper That's right. cheek. Upper cheek, <laughs> not the nose, though, because you got to have the mask over the nose. That's the proper right. way to mask. Upper yeah. cheek and bridge of PSA. nose. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Upper cheek exactly. and bridge of nose tan. Best in the All league. Right. All right, we'll see you down there. All right, see you, Lane. Thanks, buddy. Well, it's going to be fun. Next time we talk to you, we're going to be from the Valley of the Sun, and uh, the Cactus League is going to be upon us. We'll talk to you then. Have a great week, everybody. I'm Lane Grindle.